0: let me get in to what I want to share with you this morning first of all I need you to understand the kind of person God uses now I've heard some incredible sermons on the man God uses and and by halfway through that sermon I realized he ain't going to use me (laughs) what person had built such an incredible thing. you got to be this and that. And I'm thinking, no, I've not yet risen above jerkness. (laughs) And then as I studied scripture for myself and the very nature of Jesus and who he used, I looked at those apostles and I thought, I'm that good. (laughs) I mean, these guys spent most of their time Arguing over which of them was in charge and the greatest. And I'm thinking, what if I hired that many people and all they did for me was argue over which of them is the greatest? How long would they work for me? Maybe a month. But I've come to the conclusion that Jesus chose these guys just to show who he could work with. And I want every one of you this morning to feel apostolic. You're eligible. He could have used you, and he still does, just as much as those guys back then. Now, a certain thing happened that brings about some additional understanding, and this is in the 20th chapter of Matthew. If you want to turn there, and I'm going to start talking with verse 20 but Jesus had begun to teach them that uh, what he was going to go through and the guys seemed to think hey this might be coming to an end what do we do you see they never understood the cross until afterward Jesus taught about it but they saw themselves as being part of a constantly ongoing thing with Jesus there they didn't understand when he said they were going to be killed he was going to be killed they oh, they didn't hear that But nonetheless, it began to get through to them as Jesus taught about what he was going to go through that a little bit of panic came into the heart of a couple of the guys. And they're thinking, oh man, we better make our move now. Now, you know, isn't connections great? I was once part of a thing called the Servant Society. It had been founded by a man that I dearly loved, that happened to be the brother. He was the one who believed all the Bible. This one did, but his brother happened to be the first president of the World Council of Churches, you know, and he was a quite liberal guy himself. And I became the token preacher in this Servant Society the rest of them were industrial giants you know (laughs) they had they had connections with people that i never even dreamed that i would know so i was quite impressed with them but their goal was to turn institutions into servants and i said to them it can't be done institutions are formed for selfish purposes to preserve and to protect what we are and you can't turn them into servants Oh, yeah, we're going to try and so forth. Well, unfortunately, that I was right, and in the, in the servant society as such it doesn't exist anymore. But I was thinking, too, one of the problems of this group was that they were too with it. They were too important. They would never be able to actually make it with the majority of the people that exist on this earth. Now, I need to ask a question right now. Is the governor here? No. Why are they laughing? Is the lieutenant governor here? Is the mayor here? Who are you people? They promised me a quality crowd. (laughs) Well, you're God's type. Isn't this amazing? You, you, Jesus picked the apostles to show who he could work with and I want you if nothing else to feel apostolic this morning he could use you you could have been the one just as much as the other guys he works with our type he didn't seem to work with very many governors in fact uh, didn't even seem to work with religious people they're the ones that crucified him the people that were closest to jesus theologically were the ones who crucified him awesome well these two guys though who were apostles they began to panic a little bit and they were thinking man we need to make our move man we, we need a connection isn't it great to have a connection someone who's influential and you you know the you've got their home home phone number even but then they realize, we've got the perfect connection, mama. So they go to mama, and I can hear them talking, hey mama, you know, Jesus likes you, and if you could just kind of put in a word for us, because I'm sure that he just, he knows that we are the two top dudes, and all he needs is a little, a little bit of encouragement, and so here's how it reads then the mother of zebedee's sons well that lets us know who these guys are right off the bat james and john came to him with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him now i don't know that she knelt down every time she came to see him and maybe when she knelt this time jesus looked and wondered what's up you know And sure enough, she presents the case. Now, you got to realize the two brothers are back behind her pretending they don't know what's going on. And it goes this way. She asked something from him, and he said to her, Well, what do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. In other words, let one of these be the president, and the other one the vice president, okay? And the guys behind are probably pretending and saying, Mother, what are you doing? Like they didn't know. And Jesus, I think, looked at them because he knew where this was coming from. And I think he smiled at them. And, and I mean, sometimes people think Jesus was a harsh person, and sometimes Sometimes when they put movies together with him, that's what they will have. You know, Jesus is kind of like uh, uh, tough on everybody. But I think he was smiling at the guys. And listen to what he says. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? Now, the cup back in ancient days always meant death. Back then, they, it was poison. It, some places would let you, if you had been uh, convicted of something and it was to die because of it, you could choose the form in which you would die. And some famous people even that you would have read about in your days in school chose the cup as their method of death and it would be poison. So uh, that, this is the, if you, can, can you drink the cup of poison? the method of death that I'm going to have, and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. Now, this is suffering, you know. It's like I'm committing myself to the possibility of death and suffering, and says, can you guys go through that? Can you die the way I'm going to die? And you know, when you're power hungry, you become arrogant too. And suddenly, for the first time, we hear from the guys... We can. You know? And I think Jesus smiled at him and his eyes twinkled. And he says, you will. <laughs> yep, you're going to have to go through this and die, but uh, I, I'm sorry, guys. The two top positions aren't mine to give. And I'm, I hear the guy saying, man, I knew we should have gone over his head. But then we discover something else about this meeting. It was a secret meeting because the other 10 guys were not there. Now you don't want to get in front of all of the crowd say, look, Jesus, could you make us the top dude? So this was a secret meeting. Secret meetings in the kingdom of God are a dangerous thing because we're a body and a secret thing happening in your body usually is going to kill you. And so when the other 10 found out about it, now, I love that. How did they find out? I asked that kind of question. Who told them? You know who I think it was? Mama. <laughs> I think at one point when Jesus was teaching, she probably interrupted and said, You know, Jesus, this re- what you just said reminds me of when I brought my two sons to try to get the top position. And the other guy's, What? What do you mean? And then they're thinking, Why didn't I think of Mama? Mamas will do things like that for their sons. I know my mother, was; she died shocked that I wasn't president. (laughs) So here's what happens. When the ten heard about it, they were greatly displeased. I love the way the scripture kind of takes the edge off of this. They were furious, that's what it's saying this was a major disruption among these guys the very idea it probably was close to a fistfight. they were greatly displeased with the two brothers but jesus called them to himself i love that i think this is a definition of revival when jesus calls us to himself i'll never forget my in the dreams of my heart as a young man I dreamed of what later became the Jesus Movement. And so when it uh, happened, I was anxious to get out. And in 1969, I first interfaced with the Jesus Movement in its central focus to begin with out in Costa Mesa, California. I just love the thought that this is around Jesus. It's not around some denominational name or thing of that sort. But it's the Jesus movement. And Jesus called them to himself. I like that. That to me is a definition of revival. Another time Jesus called them together. And I consider that also a definition of revival. Because what happens is when Jesus becomes the focus. It's amazing who you might find next to you at a point like that. I get around, and I am with people of different types often, and the one thing that brings us together is Jesus. I had occasion way back in 1978 to go to Singapore. I was invited to be part of a group of 400 people from 40 different countries and 40 different denominations as it worked out to just meet together and say let's talk about what's God saying to us what's what's going on what, what do we feel the tugs in our hearts toward and when we came to the end of that we wanted to say something and the only thing that we were able to agree on because there were a, quite a large differences among us was that Jesus is Lord that we could say together. And I thought, this is what brought us together then. And so Jesus calls him to himself, and he gives them what amounts to a seminar on leadership. Now, I live in the Coachella Valley of Southern California where Palm Springs is, and, uh, you know, th- this is the beginning of the time of year when all of the rich people from Pennsylvania come, both of them, and... and uh, <laughs> Our, our valley triples in, in population during that time, and uh, that's when they have all the famous golf tournaments and what have you, and everything goes on, and it's great, and famous people will come and do their seminars, and uh, there was one particular guy who was quite famous at the time, I haven't heard of him lately, and I'm not sure why, maybe it's worn out, but I would board a plane to head out where I was going to be speaking on a Friday. They were leaving. They had come in for that particular thing and had paid thousands of dollars to spend that week with this famous dude. And I was amazed at what I would hear. It was like they, they wanted to continue on and I found out that mostly what they learned was slogans that they keep saying to themselves like money will make you rich. And I'm thinking, you know, I could do that seminar. But it was things like that, and I left, and I thought, they spent a lot of money to learn that money will make you rich. Huh. So Jesus is putting a seminar together here. It's a small one, and it, uh, it's not going to cost them anything but their lives. <laughs> That's all. And he begins to teach them. Now, I, I like to build situations. I can hear Jesus saying, hey, guys, let me, let me give you a seminar on, on leadership, okay? Uh, get your slates out, okay? Roman numeral one. And Jesus begins to teach. And this is what he says. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, oh, I can see that, man. For the Gentiles, they rule the whole world. They're good. Roman numeral one. That would be appropriate back then rulers of the gentiles i can see them looking at each other and thinking this is going to be good man rulers of the gentiles point a under that how they lord it over them Ooh, point a i like that lord it over them yeah that good leadership man and point b and their great ones exercise authority over them point exercise authority over them you know they, hey this is state-of-the-art fellas you don't get this every day Doesn't this sound exactly like the world does things? We'll teach you how to lord it over people. How to influence people. How to exercise authority. Yeah, teach me. I'll spend a lot of money for this. And they're getting it free, they think. And they're excited. I can see it, man. This is good. This is good, yeah. And then Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you, oh, okay, now we 're getting to it. Let him be your servant servant and ever whoever wants to be first, and we all want to, man. Uh, I played football. No, I had it played on me, (laughs) and I can remember when I was in junior high. uh, We lost all our games, but the coach never said, "Now look, guys, I want us to lose every game this year." Okay? Oh no, we're going to get out there. We're going to win. We 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 got a winning bunch, man. We're going to do it. You know. No coach will ever say, "Hey, guys." We're going to plan to be last. He would be fired immediately. And so Jesus says, whoever wants to be first, and the thing is, we all do. And whoever wants to be great, we all do. I've had people say, no, I, I don't want to be great. I don't want to be great. And I'd say to them, but you are great. I say, really? You think so? <laughs> Look, folks, I'm a human being. I know what's in my heart and I know what's in your heart too. We secretly, whether we admit it or not, we really do want to be great. We really do want to be first. We envy those who are famous, you know, and crowds adulate them. We envy that. It's the human. Thing. and it's very disappointing that we never seem to quite get there here I am well I'm celebrating the 39th anniversary of my 40th birthday <laughs> I'm thinking uh, aren't I due Lord <laughs> when do I get to there And then I find out that he has something to teach me that no one but Jesus will teach you. But he's God. And he knows what he's talking about. Now, my desire for greatness is a very self-centered thing. My desire for others to think well of me (laughs) is a very self-centered thing. And I've also discovered that myself is never satisfied. You never think quite as well of me as I want you to. And no one ever treats me quite as good as I want them to or as I think I deserve. So yourself is never satisfied. I've done, uh, a, a lot of uh, a, I've done a lot of counseling i've done a lot of marriage counseling and i don't like it i won't do it anymore unless a mercedes is involved or something <laughs> but sometimes pastors will beg me to to work with you said please would you talk to this couple you know and and i hear things like this well she doesn't do this for me anywhere. And well, he said, promise me this, and he doesn't deliver you know. And it's one accusation after another. I never hear. She won't let me serve her. He won't let me serve him. I never hear that. The only trouble is when me is not being, myself is not being met. But any, any, Marriage, where two people are breaking their neck to make life better than the other person. You think you're in heaven already. And in any relationship that is involved in, how can I make life better for you? Well, why should I do that? Well, listen, this is where we hit the real reason. And Jesus ends up by saying, just as, See, whoever wants to be first, let him be your servant, whoever wants to wants to be great, let him be your servant. Whoever wants to be first, See, this is handling the very things we want. Let him be your slave. Just as. Just as? Just as? What? Just as what? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. Huh? Jesus didn't come to be served. You're kidding me. No but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Wow. So that's his nature. He came to serve. Why? Because that's the way God is toward you. A lot of people think that God's not happy with them. And and don't raise your hands if that's true of you, because it it isn't true. I don't care who you are. God is absolutely crazy about you. Hey, look, you're here. That says something. But he is. even if you don't know him, even if you have not made that decision to follow him and to believe that he is God and that he did die for you and was resurrected for you and you want to serve him, even if you are not to that point, he still is absolutely crazy about you that's the way he feels he didn't say i have come to serve the elite in fact he proves it by choosing these jerks that he calls apostles who spent their time arguing over who was the greatest even though he patiently taught them right down to the very end at that last supper table before he was arrested they fought once again over who was the greatest If I were him, I would have said, okay, guys, I've had it. Pick up your pink slips, you're through. I'll just create somebody to deal with this. No, 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 no. It is important for you to know that Jesus never fired the apostles. He had every reason to. But you see, you got to understand the extent of his love and the extent of his servanthood. This is what he came to do. He loves you. He is crazy about you. Well, but I'm not doing too good. You know, he knows that. But he didn't say, well, okay, then I'll just think about it. No, 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 no. If there's anything about you that's true is you never shot God. Did you know that? He doesn't go, ay, 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 if I had known. No. He knows where you're at and he is crazy about you. Please understand that. He loves you so intensely you probably within your human body cannot fully understand that. And it'll take heaven for us to fully understand it. But please be at ease with how he views you this morning he came to seek and to save that which was lost he came to serve and to be a slave to you now what does that mean for us well like i mentioned to you earlier uh, (laughs) yourself is never going to be satisfied then where will satisfaction come? Where will I find joy and peace? Jesus just gave us the secret. In fact, after he had taught the apostles what the definition of love was in the 13th chapter of John, it says he now showed the full extent of his love or, or, or loved them to the end is the idiomatic expression there. But it just says he's now going to show them the, just how much he loves them. And he gets up from that Last Supper table and does the lowest slave job in existence. He washed their feet. We don't understand foot washing nowadays because it's not part of our greeting rituals. And it doesn't, uh, feet do not involve what they thought about it. They believed then, as Muslims and Arabs do to this day, that the bottom of the foot was the dirtiest part of the body. And since the the apostles were arguing over who was the greatest, it was slaves that washed feet. They weren't going to do that because they would lose their argument. So what happened? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of this universe, the savior of our souls, got up from that table and did the lowest, Slave, job, there. He washed their feet. And he says, "You call me Lord and Master, and I am. I've washed your feet. You'd ought to do that for others. And with that, he defined love. He says, "I want you to love one another as I have." loved you love is servanthood isn't that amazing love is saying i want to make life better for you you know a couple and i may have said this to you already where when two people are married and are breaking their necks to make life better for the other person you're living in heaven you'll think you've already gone to heaven and god designed marriage for you to be able to do that and marriage problems come. Well, they're not serving me. They're not serving me like I'd expected them to. No, no, no. That's. I got to tell you this story. I was born on a farm in Northwest Oklahoma. And there was one guy in the area that his wife attended church, but he didn't. He was a farmer, and boy, he was mean. He hated the church. He'd never been there, but he hated it anyway. He'd let his wife go to church once a week, but that's it. And if he saw her car headed toward the church, he'd jump in his pickup, chase it down, stop her, and search the car to make sure she wasn't taking food or clothes or something to the church. Really nice guy. Well, in my youth, after I was graduated from college and God had called me to preach, uh, I was planning to be a brain surgeon. <clears throat> be thankful. Be thankful. But it's another story of how God got a hold of me and called me to preach while I was in college, and so now I'm I'm freshly out, headed a, around, hoping to preach for a week in churches. There's not a lot of people want you to preach when you're right out of college anyway. So it was mostly people who knew me or home churches, and here I am at this Elm Grove Christian Fellowship in chester oklahoma my old home church preaching on wednesday night i can see it like it's happening now this man came to the first church service he was ever in everyone was in shock i saw him he was right about where you are there in the light colored shirt brother And I'm wondering, what's Martin? That was his name. What's he doing here? I gave the invitation at the end of my message. He ran down front and hit his knees like he was sliding into second base or something and wept his way into the kingdom. Well, being 21 years old and still stupid, I asked him a question. Martin? What was it I said that really got to you? (laughs) (laughs) Stupid question. And I'll never forget what he said to me. Erwin, it wasn't anything you said. I was hoping you'd hurry up and quit so I could get saved. (laughs) Maybe that's a new, uh, if I quit now, how many will get saved? (laughs) He said, it's my wife. He said, I can't take it any longer. I, the worse I treat her, the better she treats me. I put her through hell. She puts me through heaven. I can't take it. I got to have what that woman has. Last time I saw him, he was an elder at <laughs> that church. And I thought, isn't this interesting? It was not a message from my great and powerful, eloquent voice that got to him. In fact, the sooner I quit, the better it was. But it was a servanthood of a wife that he had to have the same thing, I'm thinking. And then it turned that home into a different kind of home, a serving and joyous and, and happy home. And it might take a while in some of your situations But if you really want yourself to be joyful, it's going to come out of servanthood, not out of people serving you. In fact, Jesus, after he taught this to the apostles in John chapter 13, 13, he says, this is the way people are going to know that you belong to me if you have love one to another. And he says in John chapter 15, he says, I'm telling you this, I'm giving you this, this command that you love one another, that your joy may be full and complete wow and he says this is the way i am just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many i can look back in my life at times where individuals have fulfilled that in my life and it made all the difference in the world My father was severely injured in an airplane accident when I was six years old, which uh, left him brain damaged and his left side paralyzed, and it left me without a lot of what a guy needs in a father as he's growing up. And uh, as a teenager, I was afflicted with a terminal case of puberty and i didn't know how to deal with me and what have you i there happened to be a guy in the church that i was attending you would never know his name if i didn't tell you he was not a famous person nor a rich one he delivered newspapers for a living and he just seemed to know when people were in need and, and he put his arms around me and he didn't say, be at ease or when I have arrived. No, he made me feel like the best thing I could do for him was maybe spend some time with him and come visit him on a Saturday or go with him to a baseball game or the like. And we would, we did that. We would sit and just talk and talk and talk and solve the world's problems. And I was learning the servanthood of this guy. I ended up wanting to be a Christian like him. Well, as things happened, uh, I happened to go on the headquarters staff of a certain denomination and created a new magazine for the youth for him. And he came one day to the office in the headquarters building, and his voice was unique. And I heard him, as I was in my office, say, is this where you subscribe to Youth Alive? And I jumped up and I went up. I said, Eugene Yadier. He said, what are you doing here? When I think he thought I might have been in jail or something by now. I said, you don't know that I created this magazine. He said, no, it's just the best thing I've ever seen come out of this building. And I want to subscribe to it for my daughter who's coming to nursing school. I said, it's the, the, the bread you cast on the water coming back to you. And there was another young chap that uh, was the leader in that state where I was among the youth of that denomination. And one day when we were talking, uh, we discovered that we both went to the same church in Oklahoma City. And I said, well, why didn't I know you? He said, because I'm two years younger than you and you wouldn't give me the time of day. Oh, okay. And I said, you know, there was a guy in that church that deeply touched my life. Because of my dad's injury he wasn't able to be the dad that I really needed and I'll never forget his saying it was Eugene Yader wasn't it I said yeah he said look I'm an orphan and Eugene came into my life and did for me what he did for you and I'm thinking you know both of us wanted to be christians like him there was a joy and a happiness to his servanthood and this is the way it works folks if you really want your joy to be full it's going to be how you bless other people when you're blessing other people i can promise you you're going to enjoy it it's good it's it's a i have a friend in tennessee who uh is a retired university professor who had a major life change when he heard about the nature of Jesus because he had been a follower of Ayn Rand who was into self-centeredness. And then he realized, no, it's others-centeredness. And Jesus was the one truly others-centered person. And it changed his life. And now he, in his brilliance, has decided that if he hears about a person who is crippled and the state doesn't know how to deal with them or do what he'll be there and he will see to it that that person has everything they need whether anybody else cannot do it or what have you books have been written about this this is incredible and he just does it because he has learned to love people people that others will say why are you doing that for people who are invalids and the like he said well if i don't are you going to do it well no and in his other centeredness that man has found such joy he wrote me one day after he had actually finished building a house for a certain person who had no one to take care of her and the like and and she was very very severely uh afflicted and he wrote me and he said you know i feel like a million dollars and i said you're on to something You're on to something. Out of your servanthood, you're having the joy that you do. In fact, that girl is one of my prayer partners. When I want something miraculous to happen, I just tell her about it. I've had people say, could you share with me her name? (laughs) And Jesus was on to it because he knew that's where it was at. In fact, folks, you want to live a sinless life? You don't. I'll tell you how. When you're blessing people, you're not sinning. Voila. (laughs) You're sinning when you are saying, well, don't I deserve something? And that's when you become tempted. Ah. But you discover that it's the ones who have served you in life that have loved you the most. And Jesus calls us to that. Now, I I want to do something else. I I should have prepared you for this, but I don't know how to. I'm going to sing to you. (laughs) But you see, when I was a kid on the farm, the church that we went to was 15 miles away. We didn't always make it there because sometimes the bridge would be washed out over the North Canadian River. But there was a teacher there, Ms. Craig was her name, I'll never forget it, every Sunday when we would go and she would teach my, I was a child, you know, seven, eight years old, she would begin our class, our Sunday school class, I'd never seen a ukulele before but she had one and she would play that and she would begin every class with a song. And I'm going to sing that song to you with a few others real quickly, not long ones, don't worry, you'll get out before death. (laughs) And I'm going to change the wording of this first song a bit to make it more, shall we say, up-to-date and usable. And when I did change it and I sang it at a certain church in Southern California, they wept, and maybe you'll understand why. Why? And then a song that comes out of my understanding that came from this sister Craig. And then two more children's songs. You see, Jesus had favorites. You know that? I've had people say, God has no favorites. Oh, yes, he does. It's children. And if you really want to please him, be a servant to some children so that they want to... Know that Jesus. It's easy to teach about Jesus to a child. But here are the songs Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world brown and amber, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. I came away from that believing it. But it brought about my full understanding of this next song. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, Were every stone on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I need to tell you that I sang that for a presbyterian men's breakfast in southern california not long ago and i discovered when i finished that the guy who led the thing said my grandfather wrote that song <laughs> and yeah i got goosebumps but then this song you probably know jesus loves me this i know tells me so now i have gotta tell you a story here and i hope i don't break down i have a great grandson named jack and in his pre-toddler times i would carry him as they would visit us in my arms and walk around the outside of my house talking to him about the plants that we had and having him touch them and explain why we had those plants and so forth. But I would sing that song to him over and over. And he would, in, before he even had a voice much, would try to sing with me. And that song got into that kid's heart. And I am absolutely impressed with what God's doing with a six-year-old now. But he has a brother born three years younger than him. And we didn't, I didn't have the same relationship with him. And I, and I said to my wife, I said, Honey, uh, Dan, we don't have the same relation. What are we going to do? I don't see him as much. And one day when they were at our house, and we liked to give them gifts when they got there and gifts as they left, we gave Jack something, and I said, what are we going to give Dan? And we looked at each other, and my wife opened her eyes wide and ran over to one of the closets and pulled out a, a lamb, a stuffed lamb kind of thing, that if you squeeze it, it would play a song and, and sing it to you. I didn't know we had it, <laughs> but it would very clearly, when you squeeze it, sing Jesus Loves me, this I know. And Dan took it and he squeezed it. And he squeezed it. And he squeezed it. And that little stuffed lamb sang that song to him more often than I sang it to Jack. And his mother said he would not put it down when he got home. But every he'd squeeze it and hear that song. Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. (sighs) Into my heart, into my heart, come in to my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Children's songs that were sung to me and that I sang. And I want you to know that uh, the door is open and Jesus will see you now. Amen.